Melanated family. So we back. This is Thursday. Me and my sister Sonia, we we back on the regular scheduled program. You know what I mean? We back here on Thursday for the family. Thank you for everybody for tuning in to a brand new episode of the Melanated Combo Podcast. I'm your host, Harrison. This epi- this, this, this Thursday version of the show always features my, my sister Sonia Williams-Lewis. And today we're going to get it in, man. Thank you for everybody for joining us. Like button, subscribe button, the subscriptions, everything is going up. I see the progress. Just continue to support your boy. Continue to rock with us. Show your support. Give your input the way you've been doing. I definitely appreciate it. Today we're going to have a show about, you know, we got a lot of news topics lined up, but it's Women's History Month. So today, because we've been doing this and talking about women from history, like legendary women from our past, which is necessary. But today I'm going to talk about the women from my past, the women who've who've um, affected me and and has shifted my life a little bit and shown me love. And as I look at these things in hindsight, it's important because, yes, I have men around me who've done things, but I would be remiss not to admit that a woman has held me down more than yeah. than some of the men in my life. And that's just a fact. You know what I mean? So we're yeah. going to talk about that. And also, everybody, look at the shirts we got on. Come on, man. It's time. It's time to support the brand. You know what I mean? So we got the melanated state of mind T-shirts, which are available right now. We got them in white. We got them in gray. We got them in black. We got the uh, Melanated Combo podcast shirt. Sonia got on the white one. We have the gray one right here. Support your boy, man. Everybody who's been rocking with me, I appreciate it. You can buy a shirt. The shirts are $20. You can buy the shirts. You can con- uh, contact me on my Instagram, which is Melanated Combo 100. DM me your size and which shirt you want. I'll send you an invoice. We'll get that thing popping. I'll send it anywhere in the United States. If you in SAC, I'll bring it to you. You know what I mean? You can also send the orders to MelanatedCombopod at Gmail. MelanatedCombopod at Gmail. You can send the orders there. I'll get everything shipped out to you or send it to you. I've been getting orders already. And, you know, I know for some people who have been rocking with me since the beginning of this, they're almost like, okay, it's about time. Okay, now I have something I can, now I can support you in a real way. So I appreciate that. So everybody continue to support. We're going to continue to post information about the different designs we have as we move forward with this thing. I'm creating a platform as well where if somebody has a design they need. So if you have a big family gathering or if you have a clothing line and you need your shirts printed up, excuse me, I have the infrastructure to do that for you now. So I'm going to present everything to the people so we can get the business side of this thing popping to you. Feel me, Sonia? I can't hear you. Yes, I do. I am so excited about the t-shirts. Both of them are beautiful. I love it. I love it. I love it. I sent you pictures of both. So let's get it popping. Let's buy some t-shirts, y'all. Buy some t-shirts. There we go. There we go. There we go. And I want people to realize like the the meaning behind some of my messages. So of course, the podcast logo shirt is it it is what it is. Like everybody knows the podcast I've been doing, what we focus on. But some people have been asking me in, you know, getting a clarity on the melanated thing look family our the the purest form of who we are as black people mm-hmm. i use black because it's a familial term that we use in our society and i know you can relate to that mm-hmm. but in reality scientifically we melanated so right. if we're going to talk about melanated state of mind we talking about yes love your family 
Yes, do what you can for the people around you. You need to work. You need to support yourself. You need to strive personally. But under all that, you got to have a melanated state of mind. Yeah. Like under all that, you have to love your people. You have to see the uh, you have to see the 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 necessity to support your people in the right way in any venue. Like yeah. sometimes we have it tough. We'll be in in areas where it's non-black people or people who don't look like us. In any instance, you still got to keep a melanated state of mind, right? You feel yeah. me, Sonia? Yep, I one hundred percent do. Mm -hmm. And it's it's a shame sometimes because I have very very um, selective and well intentioned non melanated folks who are in my life by choice, right? Yeah. And um, it's those people who sometimes who ask the best questions about why does it always have to be? Or now that they've been in my life for such a long time, it's mm -hmm. I get it now. And, mm -hmm. you know, the explanations or the questions and the conversations that we have now get it to go a little bit deeper rather mm -hmm. than just the surface stuff. Because mm -hmm. in the beginning, it's always like, why you got to be so black? Why it always got to be that? I'd be like, mm -hmm. well, I didn't create this system that we're in. And so we have to recognize where the differences lie. So, yeah, I appreciate it. We have to recognize where the differences lie. And as I move forward in designing shirts and creating a business out what out of what I'm doing, the, the a lot of the shirts initially will be about my people. Like this right. podcast and what I do is important to me. And I'm unapologetic about it. Like I'll sell if you white and you Mexican, you want one of these shirts, get it. Absolutely. But I'm aware it, I'm aware it in the grocery store too. Right. And if you want to talk about it, we can because me loving me ain't got a damn thing to do with you. Nothing. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? So that's important for me to start off this business venture by representing what I talk about all the time. And this means a lot to me. So we're getting orders in and I'm shipping Yay. some shirts out tomorrow. So I'm excited family. So me and the sister Sonia going to get into the, uh, uh, get into it today. And like I said, we got a lot of news stories we want to talk about here. Sonia, you sent me something about um, black women, a black mom and her two daughters, right? So a jury yeah. awarded $8.25 million to a black mom and her two daughters who sued a California county after they were detained by sheriff deputies in a parking lot outside of a Starbucks, according to court documents. Now, the California jury reached its unanimous verdict on March 4th, I'm sorry, March 1st, according to a final judgment filed in the United States District of Northern California on the morning of September 20th, 2019. Asaley, I, I, I may be saying this sister's name wrong. I apologize, sister. Asaley Loggervale. Asaley Loggervale was driving her daughters, her two daughters, 119, 117, to their colleges in California. Yeah. Now, the lawsuit says the women had been driving overnight from Nevada and stopped at a Starbucks in Castro Valley, California, which I know has some racist history about 25 miles southeast of San Francisco. As they were resting in their car and getting ready to go inside to get coffee, two deputies with Alameda County Sheriff's Office approached the vehicle and told the mother that there had been multiple recent car break-ins in the area. The lawsuit says one of the deputies asked her for identification, but she refused because as a black person, she feared that the encounter could result in serious physical harm or death to her or her daughters. So, Sonia, when we look at this, like we have to unpack the fact that for one, she's bringing them to college in, a, in America. The American dream, as they tell you, 
things the right way. Send your kids to college. Like, be about the book. And it's, it's right. ironic that she was actually bringing her kids to college, right? And then another part that, that stood out to me, Sonia, was the fear that we have. Think about this. Look, I know so many Black people with no no um, no police record. Right. Tags are, tags are up to date. Life right. insurance. Nothing wrong with them driving. But a cop get behind them, they get nervous. A cop get beside them, they get nervous. This is a yeah. real thing that a lot of us deal with. So sometimes people look at like us resisting, but really it's trying to prevent from dying. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know I mean? so when you've seen this story, so Sonia, I know you sent it to me. What were some of the things you were thinking? One of the things is I remember back in 2019 when this story happened because, you know, we were in the thick of things when it comes to fighting for justice and, um, and just being very vocal about like, why are we going, you know, the, the the hashtags of living while black, like walking while black, driving while black, going into a restaurant while, all of those things were um, being pushed out to the public. Our narratives were being shared in a different kind of way. So when I saw this story back then, I was like, ooh, that's gonna be a lawsuit right there mm -hmm. because they did have um, body cam footage and you were able to see these officers like literally harass her and yank her out of the vehicle. So it took me back to that. And I just was very, I'm always very celebratory about um, when we press the issue. Because mm -hmm. oftentimes, so the first thing, of course, I thought about was it's that fear factor and we have to come out of these situations alive. The second thing I thought about is we've been conditioned not to even press the issue. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes we might have a legitimate case that can win suits and it takes time. I mean, we're talking about now we're in 2023. This mm -hmm. is four years ago, folks. So mm -hmm. she championed through. Maybe one of her daughters has completed college by now and she can pay off them, pay off them student loans. But the <laughs> yes. reality of it is you violate me, you're going to have to pay. Mm -hmm. And that at the end of the day, when I was reading the story, what, what completely not shocked me, but disappointed me is that those officers were promoted and, and mm. that's so super disappointed. So, <laughs> You know, me as a, a provider, an equity expert who goes into organizations and say, hey, we need to reevaluate and re-strategize on how we are approaching equity. Castro Valley, Alameda Sheriff's Department needs to be doing some work along the line mm -hmm. of how we approach Black folks, first mm -hmm. off. And then secondarily, um, this whole ideation of applying something that has happened in the past to black bodies in the present. Mm -hmm. Come on now. Miss me with that. You Come can on now. miss me with that whole conversation of we've been having a lot of vehicle break-ins mm -hmm. in this area. Mm -hmm. No. And, I and, and one of the things that I looked at too, like, cause I read a book called sundown town by James Lowen, this is it's a it's a very big book. It's like 400 pages. Yeah. You know what I mean? But the 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 antithesis of what he's talking about, because he went to all the towns he's talking about to gather this information. So now I'm on high alert and yeah. it, it never fails. Whenever we see a small white enclave, yeah, this is what black folks have to realize. I'm not telling these sisters to not rest in the car because you're in a particular city, but right. damn it, you gotta know where you at. Absolutely. Because Castro Valley, Alameda County, you can go from being like in Oakland 
or or San Francisco, right? You go 20 minutes outside with your music still bumping yeah. and, and, and you in full niggerosity, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're doing your thing. And all of a sudden, there's nobody black. All of a sudden, the cops look at you different. All of a sudden, the citizens of this environment, because that's what be happening. Like the cops right. come, but sometimes white folks nosy, man. And, and they feel like they got something to protect. They see you right. driving, just being black. Okay, we've seen some Negroes, and now the cop is going to use, there's been some break-ins. And we're tired of that now. Like, when you get older. I'm so tired. I yeah. mean, that's the part that we have to get over because mm -hmm. that's the bias. That's the stereotype. That's the prejudice that even comes in to the conditioning that we've all been conditioned. Because, I, I mean, I'm going to admit that when I grew up in Oakland and transplanted to Sacramento into the Meadowview neighborhood, right? So two very hood communities <laughs> to say the least but yeah. i will tell you that there are because of the conditioning of who i might look like today there were parts in my life where i was like okay i got on a business suit can i walk that through my neighborhood and still feel like i'm i don't got a target on my back mm -hmm. let me take my business suit off take my heels off and put some tennis shoes. you know how do i have to transform so that fear factor of us and versus them Mm -hmm. is, is something that we have to just oppose on a constant basis. Mm -hmm. And and that fear is a constant fear of just existing in black bodies. It remind I, I mean, I was so thankful that she nor her daughters um, ended up in, in a more deadly situation, mm -hmm. right? Because we saw what happened to Sandra Bland. And yep. I always say the names of women who we know did not make it mm -hmm. because Sandra Bland, I could have been her. Like mm -hmm. a black woman with an attitude on any given day saying like, mind your business. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to need you to mind your business in a way that doesn't compromise me being allowed to process my blackness in this world because it's so challenged at every, like I wake up in the morning and my blackness is challenged. I walk mm -hmm. out the door, my blackness is challenged. So we have to be very vigilant about one, taking a stance and two, staying in the fight so that justice mm -hmm. actually does come through. And sometimes parents have to realize the model you're setting. Right. Yes. So sometimes we get wronged by authority figures and we sweep it under the rug. Yes. We say, you know what? It, it's not worth it. The fight is going to take a whole bunch of years. We got to pay lawyer fees. I hope her daughter's who were on the precipice of college in the yes. real world. Like they're, they're at, they're at that breaking point where they can either go one way or another. Hopefully they witnessed what they mom went through and witnessed what they went through and not internalize it, but see the power in what fighting does. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's the example that we set. I know that this is what I know for sure is that young people today are very much more observing and willing to challenge systems than we were and our parents were and our grandparents mm -hmm. were. Like our grandparents and great grandparents, they lived under the fear of the whip. Like mm -hmm. period, like death, a lynching can happen today. Mm -hmm. Our parents who are maybe post-civil rights movement, they remember the stories that their parents told them about dogs being sicked on them and water hoses being shot at them, right? They remember, you know, the Edmund Pettus Bridge and, and, and Bloody Sunday. Mm -hmm. So we kind of are the, the, the conduit in between that great, very visual trauma that Black bodies experience mm -hmm. and being able to have some freedom and, and voice to say, no, 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 
Black Power, Black is Beautiful, you know, the Black Panthers, mm -hmm. um, 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 what's his name? Um, um, James Brown, I'm Black mm -hmm. and I'm Proud. You know, we have the luxury oh, of saying that we are giving our children voice, agency, and advocacy to say, no, no more, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, we can come away from these situations dead. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we got too many names that we can rattle off mm -hmm. um, to prove that point. But I think that the example of pushing the point all the way to the end is so commendable. And I, I, I hope that her daughters are extremely proud of her. They Here's a caveat, be. people. The unfortunate caveat is, yes, the jury unanimously said this is the amount that we think that she deserves in damages. Unfortunately, we live in um, a time where the judge can go back and say, mm, I think that was an ex excessive award. And really? they, they can, the judge can lower the amount. But thank yeah. God we're in California. Thank God this happened in California. Mm. And I will say yeah. that okay. right now in Alameda County in particular, there have been some judge that have been judges that have been elected to um, and appointed to the Supreme Court at the state level that are very progressive. So mm. we have that in our favor. And so I hope that she gets all eight point whatever million dollars. And every dollar of it. They shouldn't even tax dollar. it, Tonya. Yes. Uh, 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 yes. So get, give her every dollar of that. Everyone. And hopefully it sets a precedence. And we need to figure out something like in legislation where the cop fills it. Because I know when this money gets awarded, I'm not yeah. sure how the cop who did it is affected. Like is his pay affected? Is no. his pension affected? It should be. Absolutely. They should Absolutely. look it directly to them personally. Yeah. And that's something that we, when we worked on um, state legislation here in California, and I know it's being duplicated all over the country, um, the Stefan Clark law, part of that bill at the California level, um, we were fighting for if an officer is fired, they lose their pension too. They don't mm -hmm. get to come back and collect these things. Mm -hmm. They don't get to get hired with another department yeah. because at the end of the day, that impacts their bottom line. The yeah. reality of it is these dollars come out of city, county and state funds. Mm. And so it's unfortunate that the taxpayers of the county of Alameda, 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 yeah, are going <laughs> to be footing this bill um, because we shouldn't have to be paying for the erroneous acts of um, cops who are overzealous, violent and just racist. Yeah. And that's a negative part of it, because we like the the, 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 the average everyday working person. Our taxes should be used in a very strategic and um, useful manner. Right. If you kill a citizen, I shouldn't have to pay for that no, at all. No, not at that all. That should come out of y'all money. And we see how the government give these police unions, and that's something I'm going to talk about later with the East Cleveland right. situation. Excuse me. These police unions come in and protect. Absolutely. These police unions come in and, and do what's necessary to shield their officers while also using all of them as a voting block to get politicians in. So it's really Absolutely. political. It's really like damn near on some gang shit. They talk about the Crips and the Bloods and how we operate in black society, but we all know by now the biggest gang in America is the police departments. Yep. And they operate like that. So shout out to the sister Angel who's been commenting on what we've been talking about. I appreciate you, sister. Now, Something else I want to get your opinion on. We got a couple other news stories before we get to the beautiful black women that we're going to represent today on the show. You know what I mean? It's Women's History Month. So I'm going to honor some women that have been 
pivotal in my life and very impactful in my childhood. But Sonia, this story, again, stories like this, I, I kind of need um, your perspective for because yeah. Texas is announcing a takeover of Houston's public school district. Now, Texas official on went Texas officials on Wednesday announced a state takeover of Houston's nearly 200,000 student public school district, the eighth largest in the country, acting on years of threats and angering Democrats who assailed the move as political. Now, the announcement made by Republican government or Republican governor, sorry, Greg Abbott's education or, or education commissioner amounts um um amounts to one of the largest takeovers ever in the USA. So now it also deepens a high stakes rift between Texas largest cities yeah. where Democrats will control locally and state Republican leaders have sought increasing authority in the wake of election fumbles and pandemic restrictions and things like this. So things like this have happened in big cities like Philadelphia, New Orleans, Detroit. But Sonia, being an ex-educator, is this like a thing? Because we see the political maneuvering of it. But is, is this a thing where the public schools are failing? Right. So the government's going to come in and are they like going to come in and try to do better? Are they going to come in and change the staff? Like what's going to be the benefit of doing this? Yeah. Um, unfortunately, this is a thing. Um, one school district here in California, Northern California, to be exact, um, West Contra Costa, which used to be Richmond Unified School District, um, they were taken over by conservatorship by the state. Um, and it was because of budget and, and uh, mismanagement of funds. But there can be several reasons that a state entity comes in and takes over a school district, failing um, schools, um, just lots of reasons. Um, mm -hmm. Too many lawsuits <laughs> um, because those things happen as well. But yes, so this is one. Yes, this is a thing. Two, um, unfortunately, Texas is a Republican governor-led state and has been for the majority of Texas history. Hmm. There are enclaves of um, progressive um, black and brown communities, Dallas, um, Fort Worth, Houston, to be exact. And so Houston Independent School District, I HISD, um, in particular, when they became a chartered school district, a little history behind that, that it came about at a time where um, they were beginning to see the boom and the influx of black and brown families move into this area. Hmm. So they came in with the intention of designing this school district to ward off this issue that if it got too big, right? Because we, what we do know is when we are the majority in a city and town, that means that the leaders are going to be us in that city and town. Hmm. The businesses are going to be us in that city and town. The focus of the education, because parents are going to say, oh, no, you have to educate our kids on things that are important to us. And hmm. so you can push, push the pendulum just a little bit. And Houston is huge now. Right. We're not talking about um, a small town like Mineola, Texas, where my daddy lived. Right. We're talking about a, you know, a, a, a billion um, citizen um, community. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, this is this is political maneuvering at the highest heights of like, OK, yeah, y'all getting big. We see your numbers. We see that there potentially can be some shifts and changes in this large metropolitan city. 
and we want to show you who the boss is. Mm -hmm. And that's what Abbott is doing. He is doing a racist flex on the citizens of Houston. And I mean, that's my opinion. Um, I, I'm just going based on one, what I know about conservatorship and taking over a school district at a state level. Hmm. And I also know that when that happens, there has to be a legitimate reason behind it. The failure hmm. that was set up into that system for Houston um, ISD to fail was set up for them to fail. Mm. And so there were things that were just put in place that you'd be like, oh, we're supposed to do that. How are we going to do that when you're not giving us the information? Oh, that's, I've heard, man, because it seems like, right, just to touch on that real quick. And, and, and by the way, Angel is a is a brother. <laughs> he made sure Angel's to tell a brother. me. Okay, well, Angel. Sure, my bad, Angel. My bad, bro. My, my, my bad. But it seems like that happens a lot, Sonia, yeah. where like well-to-do people, people who mean well, will right. become a teacher. Will 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 enter into one of these institutions, and they 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 mean well, and they want to help all kids or whatever, right? I'm 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 sure this happens a lot. And yeah. then you get the roadblocks from the people who are supposed to provide the funds and the resources. You ask for things, and you speak to the disenfranchisement because you on the ground level, absolutely. And you see it, and you ask for things, you position for things, and it don't happen. It seems like it can make a teacher um, kind of jaded, Sonia, yeah. if you trying your hardest getting paid this shit amount of money, but you there every day. You're dealing with right. 25 students. You're dealing with 25 personalities. Right. But you're not getting the help you need. And the ironic thing about it is just, um, I want to say last year or the year before, they had a black um, superintendent of um, HISD, and he was fired publicly. Um, because he was changing the curriculum. He was doing everything that was supporting students and family and community, especially through COVID. They had some increases in academic achievement for black and brown students. He was thinking outside of the box and they brought, they literally brought this man into a public hearing. It was like a public lynching because he didn't know what he was being summoned to this meeting for. And at the yeah. end of that meeting, he was ultimately fired. Mm -hmm. So, I think that that was the precipice to this now happening um, because he was making them accountable for the funds that were coming in. He was making sure that student needs were prioritized. Um, and it's it's just a shame that one, you lose such a great educator, um, years that he spent committed to educating students in Texas and Houston um, and for him to ultimately be fired. But at the end of the day, not having the wherewithal or, or just the, the compassion to make sure that students at the end of the day are being taken care of. And that's the failure. Yeah. And the political maneuvering, the, the non-focus on just improving the lives of young people. It seems like so many personal things between these politicians, yeah. because even as I read these articles, I have to siphon through it sometimes because they throw mud at each other at times. You know what I mean? Right. Democrats, Republicans, it's 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 one side versus the other, opposed to both sides just thinking about the well-being of the children and the people involved. So shout yeah. out to all the teachers in Houston. I can only imagine because think that's why I thought about you because I'm thinking, what if you're a teacher, you're about to get up tomorrow. Yeah. And you see that the government's taking over your school district. So I don't know, Sonia, if they get called in the next day and they say, Okay, here's the overhaul. Yeah. Here's what's going to happen. I don't know if your pay going to change. I don't know if the structure is going to change, but 
how unfortunate is that when we should all be just thinking about the students? So Absolutely. shout out to that school district. Hopefully, and, and that's the thing. Sometimes I try to be positive and say, well, maybe they take it over and they just dump all the necessary resources in there. But sometimes it don't feel like the the reasoning for doing things um, is genuine. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so right. moving on again, thank you everybody for tuning in to another episode of the Melanated Convo podcast. I'm your brother Harrison. That's Sonia Williams Lewis. We getting into it today. Now, Sonia, yes. next thing I want to talk to you about in East Cleveland, right? Right. In, in uh, uh, another one of the stories that you sent me. So 11 current and former East Cleveland police officers indicted after appalling behavior caught on video, prosecutors say. Now, 11 current and former East Cleveland Police Department officers indicted Wednesday participated in appalling behavior and faced charges including assault, dereliction, which I had to look up. I had no idea what the word meant. Dereliction of duty and interfering with civil rights. Authorities in Cuyahoga County, Ohio, say they released video showing several incidents, seven of the officers are facing charges for the first time, while four others were indicted on new charges, authorities announced. Thursday, the new indictment raised the number of former or current East Cleveland police officers who've been indicted in the last seven months to 16 total. So, right. Sonia, as we always talk about, um, Sonia, as we, always, uh, as, as, as we always talk about what happens to us as black folks, like as what happens to us as black folks, what happens to us by police departments, these type of things end up being small wins. Right. So because if they're all indicted and they end up facing charges, what I think needs to start happening with police forces, because we talk about these stories, but many of them are corrupt. Not every right. police officer in every police district. But right. Many of them are corrupt. They create their own gangs. They create their own way of doing things sometimes without autonomy. Like they, they don't get checked by a lot of the stuff they do. So anytime I see this, I'm happy that the authority figures in that area say, no, we're going to attempt to set a president. So we have to be careful because just because they're indicted, you feel me? Don't mean right. they're going to get charged. Don't mean they're going to lose their jobs or be reprimanded correctly. But what do you think about when you see the the actual police force and prosecutors saying we're going to charge some of our officers? Right. You know, I, I just think that we're at a time and we need to we should brace ourselves. And when I say we, we collectively melanated and non-melanated folks need to brace ourselves that this is going to become more and more of the norm. And, and that's a good thing. The bad part about it is there the the will to justice is extremely slow. And I stress that extremely. You know, our 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 government, anything is extremely slow to change and to move. And so um, may the legacy of, and, and I can't say, I, I get tired of say resting, rest in peace to um, our community members who have been murdered and lynched and um, just terrorized by law enforcement across this country and around mm -hmm. the world. Um, but may the legacy of George Floyd be that which opens the door for more opportunities of justice to happen. And mm -hmm. so when you have leaders who are, because this is what we know. Okay. So go back to when George Floyd was murdered. A lot of organizations, corporate nonprofits, educational institutions, um, and even law enforcement agencies were saying, okay, 
we're going to give the people what they want. And they hire and put in leadership positions, black folks. Right. And so that was 2020. Mm -hmm. It's now 2023. We have also seen at the end of 2022, a downtick, a, a firing of a letting go of these initiatives um, when it comes to who we put in these positions of power. So mm. I, what I'm saying to folks, if you are um, of us and you have a conscious and you're in a position to make changes like this and call out the bullshit for what it is, like we can't have this and not on my watch kind of mentality. I'm asking those people in those positions of power to take it to the hilt. Like every opportunity you get, bring chart challenge you know your systems mm -hmm. challenge the norms that we've been all accustomed to living under because if we don't get out of the mindset that this is how it has to be it will continue to be and we can change that so i don't care if a year from now and i i shouldn't say i don't care because that's not i don't i don't want to come across cavalier about it in this moment i don't care if a year from now two years from now you are let go from that position. You've begin to set a precedent that mm. this can be done. Mm -hmm. And it sets a standard for the next person that comes in to say, oh, the folks are watching. Yeah. And so if this happens again, I better step in line because mm -hmm. they're going to come down hard on me. You know, here in Sacramento, after um, the very public murder of, um, of, um, Oh my goodness! Why am I drawing a blank? Joe, um, I can see it's Joe Man, Joseph Man. Um, said this was 2018. Um, Sacramento Police Department went on a hunt to find a black police chief, and they did. They found Daniel Hahn, who was a career um, um, police officer that started in Sacramento, went up to Rockland and became Rockland or Roseville, Roseville became the police chief in Roseville for about five years. And then Sark city, um, police department lured him back. But then Stefan Clark happened under like immediately, like nine months in less than a year of Daniel Hahn's position into being chief. Hmm. And so what happened was, um, the pressure Right. There were attacks against his family. He had two minor daughters, um, you know, his wife. They had to watch like how black is my husband? How mm. black let my, my black husband and black father be in this? Mm. Right. Wow. Um, and I will say that there were some police ordinances that we pushed, like had to. It, it was like him between a rock and a hard place. We got to do this for this community. Or this community, it's going to become a powder keg. And, mm. and being on the front lines of marches and protesting and organizing um, in this city and seeing the, mm. the impact that we had, we shut down two NBA games I remember. back to back, right? The, in, the Kings are one of the number one, if not the number one, economic generators in Sacramento City, mm -hmm. right? And so we shut down. That's millions of dollars that this city did not get to benefit from. Mm -hmm. And so they had money talks. Bullshit mm -hmm. walks. And so he had to work with us and, and listen to our opinions about policies, procedures and ordinances. And he did some, you know, some good things. But he also did some not so good things in, in making sure that there was no justice in those two police officers that murdered Stefan Clark in his grandmother's backyard, who just so happens um, to be very personal to me because his grandmother married my uncle and I grew up in Meadowview, seven houses away from that house that mm. they 
shot Stefan on that fateful night. And, and may he rest in peace because on the 18th this weekend, we will be memorializing five years since that fateful event. Yeah, and I say all of that to say that it, Daniel Hahn, even though he's now resigned and not in that position anymore, it opened the door for now a woman police chief. She's a white lady and, and I don't know that I trust her 100%, but now there's a, a woman who's in a position of power to now continue to press issues that are normally not even from the lens of being a woman, from the lens of being a black person, we are able to press issues and challenge things in a different way. Mm -hmm. And I'll say this last thing because it's important that we don't allow the norm to continue in a way that debilitates our ability not to grow and change. We have to be ever evolving. And we've had, I want to say two or three new elected city council members in Sa Sacramento to be exact. And one of them in particular, um, Katie, and I can't call her last name. She's not my district person, but she was elected over and supported over a black woman who was running for that um, position. Hmm. And she was elected and supported by black people because the black woman had aligned herself with the police. Mm. And we were tired of seeing people who are asking for our votes pander to us and say, oh, but I'm going to take money from, oh, but I'm going to take them into consideration rather than taking us into consideration as the mm -hmm. priority. Mm -hmm. And so now that this white woman who's, and they're going through this in Chicago and, and other cities across this country, but now this white woman who's been elected over this black woman is under fire because her true colors are now come out and she is working with the police and, and more inclined. And so it's been less than a few months since November when we, she was elected into office. Um, she's under fire and they yeah. are, people are already organizing a recall campaign. So that's the power and the ripple effect of when you have people who are in these positions of power, even if they are short lived, like Daniel Hans, right? Like the, the, um, 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 superintendent in Houston, L like probably the officers, uh, the, the chief or the leadership there in Cleveland, Ohio, mm -hmm. they might be short lived, but make an impact. That's all I ask. Make an impact. Leave mm. your I see what you're saying. So because you black, because you may take a position that I want to defend my people and do what's right for my people, that may put you on a timetable. Yes. Just doing it that way. Right. And that, and, and I understand that, but see, Sonia, that's why we're talking about the melanated state of mind, right? Because if look, if you worked all your life and went through several years of college to get to a position, I'm not gonna tell you not to take that job. I'm wow. not gonna tell you don't go in there and do the best job you can. But man, look, if you look like us, the your underlining reason for doing what you're doing, you have to support us. You gotta strategically do what you can to help us out. And again, I know you're probably making a lot of money. I know your family probably depend on you. I'm not telling nobody to put your family on the back burner for our community, but you got to realize they go hand in hand. Because Absolutely. like you said, you can be a political figure for two years and they end up firing you because of something you stand for, but your kids is watching, bro. Absolutely. Your kids is watching, the community's watching. So now another young black person may say, you know what? I want to do what he did. I want to, but not just do what he did, but do what he did in the spirit 
in which he did it. Because I think all public figures, police officers, all these individuals who find themselves in primarily non-black spaces, yes, but are but are given a particular job. I know it's difficult, but your legacy will last much longer if you stand for something. Yeah. People who just stand for a paycheck, you you can come and go. But if you try to stand for something, you be transparent. Ultimately, you're going to help our community. You yeah. see what I'm saying? Because we got a lot of martyrs in our community who was 37 years old, 27 years old. They ain't, right? they ain't them getting killed. They But they ain't dead, though. No. Right? Legacy is everything. Mm -hmm. Legacy is, it speaks so much louder. I always hear um, Stevante, Stefan Clark's um, brother, who runs the I Am Sac Foundation, he and mm -hmm. his mother. Um Stevante says, my brother in his five years of being dead has achieved more than a lot of black men are given the opportunity to do in their entire lifetime. Wow. Think about that. Like That's there's wow. a Stefan Clark law. Mm -hmm. They um, Just this week, they um, they gave a um, resolution at city council um, on Tuesday saying that this will be the Stefan Clark day of reflection. Mm -hmm. um, they have a community and resource center. There is a middle school and playground named after Stefan Clark around the corner from where he was murdered. Mm -hmm. um, there are so many things now there. They fight for um, the foundation fight, fights for other families so that mm -hmm. they are not left alone and in the lurch when these things happen. Mm -hmm. um, so there's so many initiatives. Um, Mama Clark, she does her yayo group where she um, like ministers to and pours into other mothers who have experienced this pain. Yeah. So there's so many positive things that have come out of. And so I'm reminded like in my lifetime, yeah, we want to get some things done, but what is that going to, how is it going to translate to your legacy when you're gone? Mm -hmm. And so we have to give props and praise to Stevante Clark and his mother. Yeah. Because like we talked about the individual, the, the black woman who's getting the $8 million settlement. Right. We, an event like this happening to someone in your family, you don't know how this is going to affect you mentally. Right. You don't know what it's going to do to you. You don't know what direction you're going to go in. He could have went a lot of different directions with this. And I've been watching and I'm not, I'm, I'm going to be transparent. Initially I was critical of the brother yeah. in some of his moves, but I had the chance to meet him the other day when we had like the little round table men discussion, the brother was there. He's standing for what he needed to stand for. And Absolutely. we're looking at everything about um, um, his brother's legacy now. But his family made that happen. Yeah. Like the y'all yeah. made that happen for him. Yep. You see what I'm saying? Like everybody going to and, and look, I've been watching protests and insurgents and all these things that happen, like us being disenfranchised and fighting back. But when this happened in Sacramento, I was just starting my platform and whatever, you know what I mean? I got a chance to see it firsthand. Yeah. And I knowing a lot of the individuals who were participating, yeah. I got a chance to talk to the individuals and see like what y'all doing out there absolutely you know what i mean like i ain't been out there but, but what y'all doing but really what we see the marching and the protesting that level of agitation there's a place for that yes. and i'm learning it works when done correctly the attention that it brings sometimes you gotta knock politicians over the head to say no 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 yes. stop what you doing 
and pay attention to what we have going on. It's unfortunate that we still have to do this so many years later. Yeah. Right. They're marching in the 50s and 60s. We we're still doing it now. But this is a testament to the community. Right. Right. This is a testament to people coming together. And look, it's been five years now. The family can have been like we just about money or we just about a different angle. So it's over. He's gone. Nah, they making it a movement. And like you said, laws are being changed. Things are being created in his honor. And what his brother said about what has happened in his brother's death for five years, he needed to take some of the credit for that, too. Because yeah. he's been standing up. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, shout out to, um, you know, the life and legacy that is. And I mean, yes, I was there in the beginning, you know, watching. But here's the thing, folks, that I urge people to think about. What would how would it impact you if, you know, you were you never have been given the opportunity to actually process the trauma um, and grieve the the death of your loved one that was publicly you know murdered you don't know we don't know what our response might be mm -hmm. and so this is also a young man who not only lost a brother to police violence police sanctioned um violence but also lost in another brother um Hmm. many years before to community violence hmm. and so he's watched his mother i mean i i i think i mean all of us have an, a, a that tipping thing that thing that'll make us be crazy mm -hmm. or a look apparently crazy mm -hmm. we all have that and so you don't know what that thing might be so we have to be less judgmental um towards those who are suffering um, during moments of trauma um during moments of grief because hmm we don't know where we would be and what our response might be in those situations. Definitely. Um, I always say shout out to um, Stefan Clark, his life and legacy definitely is alive. Um, I work very closely hand in hand with his mother, his grandmother, his, his brother, his family, and it's colorful and sometimes it's fun and sometimes it's not. And, Yes, I too have been cursed out by Stevante, but I'm I'm auntie. I'm auntie Sonia. Regardless of that, there's that level of respect. And here's the last thing that I'll share about state sanctioned violence. They say that someone close to the person who was killed by the police soon after, usually within two to five years, will die. And so mm -hmm. my uncle, Tommy T, Tommy Thompson, um, may he now rest in peace because three years after three years, four, three and a half years after um, Stefan was murdered, my uncle's. You know, the stress, the the all of the things that compiled on his body living in that house where his grandson was murdered mm. um, ultimately took his last breath. So mm. I always say rest in peace to both of them now. Yeah. And some people don't realize like and this is all types of violence, police violence against us, community violence against yeah. us. When you yeah. kill somebody, you're affecting several people. Yes. You're affecting several people, not just the people. But if you do the murdering and you end up going to jail, you end yeah. up getting reprimanded. Your whole family is affected. So we're talking 20 or 30 people yes. lives changing forever because we'll see it on the news. We'll see the story. We'll see them crying on TV. If you don't know how that feel, you don't know how that feel. Right. Because losing somebody is always difficult, but at the hands of another person in such a malicious type of manner 
that can never leave you. And you can take that energy and be negative. Right. You can take that energy and turn to drugs or other right. things to numb yourself. Or you can do the best version of all of that and take it and be a revolutionary. Like take right. it in. So I salute that brother for everything he's doing um, for his it's for his brother's legacy. And I seen they have a whole week. There's Devontae, yes. you know what I mean? The, 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 the whole week is packed. I love yeah. that. I'm going to be there Saturday at the Capitol. Just so, just showing my support because these things yeah. are important in our community, right? So last thing we're going to talk about before we wrap it up, everybody. So this is Women's History Month, right? And me and my sister, Sonia, she kind of gave me the idea without even knowing she gave me the idea that we should honor women yeah. on this month last month was black history month this is women's history month so we've been talking about historical figures from history that need to be honored right but what i want to do today real quick is talk about all the women in my life that have been impactful because like i said at the beginning of the show i have brothers and uncles and cousins and these yeah. men have been impactful in different ways but when we talk about the women, the people who nurtured me and helped raise me, it's been women, right? So going all the way yeah. back to my two grandmothers, my grandmother, Esther Smith, my mom's mother, who's from New Orleans, from New Orleans, Louisiana. She did a great job when I was a young person, right? She was there for me. She raised me. She had, a, she had her own business. Like when we talk about strength, this woman was the epitome of strength. Yeah. My grandma, Doris, my father's mother who lived in the desire projects in new orleans this was a very tumultuous area right like the the southern projects in different parts of this country the ghettos be the ghetto you see what i'm saying but Gritty, grimy. you know what i mean but yep. her house her environment like the feng shui in her environment it was so welcoming yeah. like she was so loving i can just remember how these women looked at me you know what yeah. i mean talking about my mom my mother harriet smith who died when i was 19 years old wow. right so my dad died when i was eight my mom died when i was 19 but my mother still to this day is probably the strongest woman i've ever spoke to yeah. like when i look at her being a single mom and raising three boys in the middle of a hood environment right. where come to find out my mother was dealing with diabetes and different ailments for a large part of her life. I was young. So I, I, I didn't look at it that way. Like she kept it. She told us, but she kept it from us. Like she yeah. kept everything together. My mom went through so many different changes as a woman yeah. trying to raise us after my father died, but I never missed a meal. I never missed the conversation. She was actually the rock of my family. So she yeah. would bring all of us together when it was necessary. You know what I mean? So her legacy and, and the kind of person she was still sticks with me to this day. Right. And then I have to go to like other women who helped me when my mom passed away. Um, I was living with my mom. It was just me and her in the house. She dies at night. We okay. in the hospital all night in the morning. We're grieving. Everybody's grieving. Right. The first question I'm asked is, okay, we're grieving. Who you want to live with? Right. Because you in college, you was living with your mom. You can't go back there. Who you want to live with? So I have to send a shout out to my, both of my brothers were in relationships at the time. And the women they were with mm. did a great job of bringing me in. Danielle Freeman, 
my my older brother's ex-wife she took me in like wow. you, sometimes you can watch how someone can take you in but not want to right you know I mean? like right. they come in here but don't eat my food don't be doing right, this. Don't right, be, right. You know I mean? like give you that uncomfortable feeling she didn't do that and danielle everything she's been through i've watched this woman grind like wow. from the ground up like being a young mother like a really young mother with no resources to using the system to her advantage now she's doing great like this is extremely inspiring me i don't know if i've ever told him this but this is extremely inspiring to me telia ford my other brothers the woman he was with who he has kids with right. she took me in her house wholeheartedly all they had <laughs> they just had a little two-bedroom apartment man. right 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 like, they had no room for me right no, no nobody was expecting this to happen but she brought me in and she and, and she took care of me and she yeah. tried to make sure i was okay you see what i'm saying yeah the women that i have children with like the the i have four children by two different women when i was a young man and i was just starting my journey of fatherhood like having a lack of leadership, not being raised by a man, I've seen in them their ability to try to help me out, try to do whatever they can to stand by my side. And right. me personally, I did things to turn those relationships into a different direction. Right. But I got to give a shout out to them because they're raising my kids now to the best of their ability. See, when I was a younger man, I looked at things very cynical about what someone should be doing, the ideology they should have. Uh -huh. But in actuality, they was doing the best they could when the man, me, wasn't necessarily directing things in the right way. Right. Like a young 21, 22-year-old right. man, I had no idea what being a man was, but these women were attempting to stand by my side, right? I got to give a shout out to my cousin Rose, who was there for me when I was a young person. Mm. My cousin Desire. Like, I have a lot of females around me, and they may not know it, but I see the strength of my grandma in these women. Yeah. I see these women dealing with the men in their life in the tumultuous environments that the hood may bring where people were involved in drugs. The men may not be there all the time, but right. I got to keep it real. The women have always been there and come in full circle to my woman who I'm with now, Ginger Brown, who we, we got together. We started our relationship at the worst time in my life i'm 19 20 years old i just uh -huh. lost my mom i got two kids another one on the way this is a horrible position to put a woman in right right and, right. and often not not for nothing the people around her who love her said hey turn the other way like <laughs> run like, like run as fast as you can you see what i'm saying yeah but this woman has stood my in my worst possible time in my life this woman stood by me. She motivated me. She helped me with these kids. She saw something in me. Like it, it, it's tricky when you, when a woman will say, I see, like, I see the man has potential. Like right, that right, potential right. word can, can get dangerous, right? Yes. But she really saw my potential. Yeah. She really saw where I could go in years of me struggling, catching the light rail. I used to catch the light rail to go get my four kids from South Sacramento, right? Like I was in it, running out of gas in a big ass truck because I needed a big truck to fit all the children. 
she was right there the whole mm -hmm. time up until today. She's sitting right here. Like right. when I do this show, when I'm printing these shirts, when I'm coming up with ideas about how to expand this platform, when I was put in jail some, like, some months ago on some little stupid $50 child support shit. They treat me like a criminal, y'all. Oh, but my yeah. woman was at the jailhouse. Right. Ready for whatever. You see what I'm right. saying? So we need to honor the women in our life and come into current me being introduced to Sonia, like me yeah. reaching out to her to be on my show. And then she she hit me one day like, bro, let me come on there and you know what I mean? Sprinkle some of my sauce. And this has been a godsend to me. Like oh. I'm, I, I can't negate the fact that I've yeah. met so many strong black women. So when we talk about black women being strong and they being yeah. I've witnessed it. You know what I mean, Sonia? Absolutely. Absolutely. I so love that you honored the, I mean, just being able to articulate and put words in. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, Black men in particular get a bad rap about their emotional side, their ability to articulate what they truly feel and see and have experienced in life. Um, because again, we've been conditioned to stuff to stuff it all down, hold it all in. And so I, I super, super commend you. And, and I did, I saw that first time when you reached out and was like, come be on my show. And I was like, okay, yeah, let's, let's do it. And then I just watched the maturation of the show and, and the direction and your passion, um, just about, uh, just the title alone, the melanated conversation, just for me sparked something that one, black men and women should be having conversations about the state of affairs of black community, mm -hmm. right? And I think that that gets swept under the rug that we don't have that that place of unification mm -hmm. um, in our community. So I, I I just wanted to lend myself and I'm honored to be on this, this platform with you. And, and then at the end of the day, I always just try to, in any space that I'm in, just to bring that that extra bit of like, can we look at it from this lens, from an education lens? Can we look at it from a youth lens? Can we look at it from a, a poverty lens? Mm -hmm. um, and so as we continue um, our um, efforts, um, just piggybacking off of February and Black History Month and it now being Women's History Month, you know, I'm always going to come in with somebody, but I just want to say, you know, kudos to you and, and the black women in your life who have just been that inspiration. And it's more than just inspiration at the end of the day. It's something that sounds like it motivates you to one, yeah. keep going, but to two, um, respect and love and center black women in your life in a mm -hmm. way that maybe a lot of black men are like, I want to, but I don't know how to. And you're setting an example for that. So I say, thank you. Thank you for um, shining a light on um, those black women. But mm -hmm. I wanted to mention um, civil rights pioneer, Polly Murray, who um, at the time, like at the time time, right, was um, just a black woman feminist. And she didn't like being put into the box of being a woman. She was a um, non-conforming. Um, when Murray pe died in 1985, um, they were a black lawyer, a human rights activist, a feminist, an author, a scholar, an LBGTQ plus um, activists and one of the greatest civil rights law scholars in this country. Mm. And so it's people like her 
at birth, but them at death, because I do respect people's choice to identify themselves um, in this world because there's no perfect way. And that again leads me to why I love the melanated conversation because we ain't, it, everything ain't black and white. And at the end of the day, race is a false narrative. It's a false construction that was shaped by folks who were non-melanemic to establish their power and, and authority in the mm -hmm. world. And so um, Polly Murray's life story, um, like that of, and, and I know that I'm going to, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but um, uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s right-hand man who was a um, a gay activist, but because he was a gay man during the time of the civil rights movement and Dr. Martin Luther King was very much a conservative um, Baptist minister, you know, mm -hmm. he didn't get a lot of shine, but mm -hmm. he was someone on the back end who was doing the work. And that's what Polly Murray's life and legacy reminds me that we don't know who on the back end doing what, this, mm -hmm. that, and the other. But as a young black non-binary queer lawyer, this woman, this person, this human established so much when it came to not just black rights for diversity and equality, but as well, LBGTQ+. And so when you're at the intersection of those two things, mm -hmm. I say, look a here, look a here, look a here. We are a plethora of people and we can't just love um, Black men and Black women. We have to love all um, Black melanated folks um, in do. all of the ways that we show up. So um, that would be my person that I would mention on this women's history um, dialogue. Yes, and that's dope because we get, we need to realize some of our brothers and sisters who are who are lesbian or gay, whatever you want to call them, we have a lot of those individuals who are who are writers. We Why? have a lot of those individuals who put being Black first. And yeah. that's all that I ever ask. Like who you choose to lay down with, we all need to get to a point that has absolutely nothing to do with me. Nothing yeah. at all, right? Look, they over there, they coming down here. I got these weapons right here. We need to defend ourselves. You going to yeah. pick it up? I don't care what you who you choose to lay down with. You going if we going to ride together, let's right. ride together and I see it all day where I see gay brothers, lesbian sisters who they speaking that shit. Yeah. They speaking, they, they speaking that black and they say, "Okay, yeah, but and I'm gay." You see what Absolutely. I'm saying? That ain't got nothing to do with nothing. We need to get to a point in black society that we got people who ain't gay who don't ride for us. Who, who don't do shit for the other side. See? So and they silent. Who you lay down with, whether the person ain't black, whether the person ain't a man or a woman, or a man or a woman, I don't care about that. How right. do you feel about us? as a collective do you have a yeah. melanated state of mind absolutely that see? part right as long as you do then we're gonna do this thing together we absolutely. can talk about our differences later and this is a problem with black folks in general this is right. why the the event i went to that my brother keon johnson put together where it was 15 black men in a circle talking being vulnerable and sharing everything about what they feel we should happen with our people yeah this is powerful because I don't know if any of them brothers was gay or right. what they, or if they woman was white or Mexican. That, that shit don't matter. They was there though. They was they was there supporting their people, and that's what it's about. Sometimes we split hairs over small things when when things that ain't our business. Supposed to go. If, if your family fighting, 
You post the fight with them and then talk yeah. about the shit later. Once you Absolutely. get in the car, you say, man, what was that? Right. What, what, right. what was you doing? But when it pop off, I'm gonna be right there with you. You feel me? So Absolutely. shout out to that sister. And so let, and let me give one more reference to because go ahead, go Holly, ahead. Holly's life also reminds me of someone who is right here in Sacramento. If you have not, if you don't know and haven't experienced um Ebony Harper, look them up. She is a, an amazing transgender black woman who has I have fought with on the front lines and I know that if Ebony ends up, because this has happened, right? If Ebony ends up at Sacramento County Jail, they are going to put her in the men's unit. Hmm. She's a transgender woman, fully. Mm -hmm. But they put her in the men's unit because that's the way our system has identified us. But mm -hmm. I will tell you when it's time to pick up the weapon, time to pick up the mantle, time to pick up the microphone and fight, Ebony Harper is going to be right there. So That's Polly, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we cannot like make it our business to police and patrol what we are doing behind closed doors because that's what the man does to us. We mm -hmm. can't replicate what the man does to us to us mm -hmm. because that's yep. dangerous. Yep. It's dangerous yep. to do that. And, and that's important. So, because... I've heard different arguments about our gay brothers and sisters and how they need to stand up for us. And we know some of them at times may put their sexuality above their blackness. This is the conversation we need to have with them. Right. But this just don't happen with a gay person or a man or woman that has a biracial relationship. Oh, sometimes regular black folks ain't riding with us. So we got to collectively, uh, collectively look at all of them and say, Yes. Regardless of your position in life, the amount of money you've amassed, where you live, you got to have a melanated state of mind and then Absolutely. everything else will follow. That's all we ask. And you feel me? So thank you very much, my sister Sonia, for joining me today. Another Thursday. We back on our yes. normal scheduled program. Like I said, family, thank you all for tuning in today. This has been another episode of the Melanated Combo Podcast. Hit the like button, subscribe. If yes. you're not subscribed to the Melanated Combo on YouTube, I don't know what you're doing with your Tuesdays and Thursdays. Right? Come on now. Go there. Subscribe. If you like Facebook, I got a lot of folks on Facebook. My name is Harrison Anderson on Facebook. Subscribe. Like the page so you can be updated when new shows are going to happen. We're going to continue to do this thing, man, until everybody gets it you know what i mean hey. as long as it takes you see what i'm saying you see the shirt i got on melanated melanated state of mind shirt you can purchase this shirt different ones we got the shirt sonia has on the podcast logo shirt we also have the gray one you feel me we got the melanated state of mind in black that's hard you can't tell that's me that ain't right. hard yeah, i don't that's, care what nobody that's, <laughs> that's hard you know what i mean we got it in the gray and black that's hard right there yeah, you, uh, you can wear that wherever. You know what I mean. Yes. <laughs> Be proud. So the point that's of a message. That's a message. The point of the podcast gear to me, it looks great, but you got to be able to stand up. If you can't walk in a store with this shirt on, right? You ain't gonna be no good to me when it's time to fight, right? <laughs> you're already up. showing that you ain't got it up in you. You know what I mean? Yes. So support the brand. Hit me on 
my DM, Melanated Combo 100 is my Instagram page. Hit me there. DM me the size, the shirt you want. I'll send you the invoice. I'll send you the shirt wherever you at in the United States. Like I said, if you're in Sacramento, I drop that thing off. You know what I mean? Right. All I ask is that you send me a picture wearing it or we could take a picture with you holding it. But we're going to do whatever we can to, you know, promote the brand. And I'll have new designs coming that speak to just motivation and speak to just, you know, but this platform, because I got other businesses that have nothing to do with a black name. Like right, right. Uh, business business is colorless. Let's 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 be clear. But here it's about black folks. That's right. That's what we're going to do here. You feel me? That's right. So thank you everybody for tuning in to another episode of the Melanated Combo podcast. My sister Sonia Williams Lewis, thank you so much. Tell everybody where they can reach you, Sonia. Go to my website ascribesuccess.com. You can find me on Facebook, um, Instagram, and Twitter at Ascribe Success or Ascribe ED Education. Mm -hmm. um, we are there. We are here for the uplifting of our community so that equity is everyone's. Equity is deserved by everyone. That's what our model is. So we're going to make it be a realization for everybody. Come on now. And Sonia has made a business out of looking at the blind spots of companies going into a company and that has to be difficult to be an unapologetic black woman to walk in there and say hey this is what you're doing wrong and i mean it yeah I can and i mean that <laughs> i can tell you proof where you were doing it wrong and right companies, companies and are you know, smart though it's so funny sometimes you know you get the pushback sometimes it's mm. the well-intentioned oh you so nice come and talk to my group and and then i drop the that first little thing that make you uncomfortable and it's all it's like oh cut we got to get her up out of here <laughs> right but as long as the seeds i say you know drop the seeds they will maturate they will grow the yeah. fruit will come mm -hmm. um because at the end of the day now this year 2023 you know in 2020 i said to myself one into 2021 that i had the goal of um landing my first international um company that i would do this work with i'm still working on that i'm definitely national so we i can work anywhere in the u.s um organizations call me in and get me there and we do the stuff mm -hmm. but i've been called in this year to do my first retreat and i am just so mm -hmm. super excited because now i can take all the bits and pieces that i've pulled with different things and i am leading a three-day retreat for an organization that said you know what we tried dei we tried mm -hmm. the kumbaya moments right it was very transactional it was nice and you know but then we went back to our old ways and mm -hmm. so now we want to you know really dig deep and come up with a strategic plan so the next generation they won't have to deal with and heal with heal from racialized trauma in the workplace so yeah. at the end of the day that's what the goal is yep you're doing you're doing that good work so everybody please Reach out to me, Melanated Combo 100, if you want a shirt. The email is melanatedcombopod at gmail. You can send your size and the color you want there till we get the website finalized. But support your boy, man. We're going to keep doing this thing. This is the Melanated Combo Podcast. We out. We out. <laughs>